So good to see you all this morning. Uh, welcome. Uh, again, my name is Dave. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. I'm glad to be with you uh, this morning, and I've got to know a lot of you and hopefully uh, get to know more of you in the future. And uh, very thankful for Pastor Scott to put it all on the line by having me speak. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I really appreciate that. And uh, again, the worship, uh, great, really great this morning, even without the words. Uh, the worship got better. It was just amazing. So thanks. Thank you to the worship um, team as well. And for those online, glad you are tuning in uh, to be, be a part of this. Um, so this morning, I want to talk to you about stepping forward as a disciple. And I really do like that word, stepping forward, or that phrase, those two words. Stepping forward, to me, what I think about when I see that is someone who's um, not content with the status quo, and they're, and they're ready to leap to something better, uh, or perhaps someone who's courageous, that they see a need, they know it's going to be difficult, but yet they step forward, they step to the plate uh, to achieve that goal. That's what I think of when I, when I think of those words, stepping forward. And, you know, we just celebrated uh, Fourth of July, Independence Day, and boy, imagine those 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence saying that our 13 colonies will no longer be subject to Great Britain's rule. Those guys really stepped forward. And uh, when they did it, they knew the cost. They knew the cost that they could pay because of that very sober decision to want to split away uh, from Great, Great Britain. And uh, they did pay a very high cost, the Revolutionary War. And once those men signed that document, there was a bounty on their heads at that point. They were wanted men. I uh, came across a couple quotes this uh, week in regards to that. And John Hancock, after he signed the document and looked at the men in the room, said this, and I quote, we must now all hang together. Um, you know, this the soberness of that they, they may all go down together. And I really like what uh, Benjamin Franklin responded after that. And I quote, we must indeed all hang together or most assuredly we shall all hang separately. Really cool quote like that. But, and he was joking, but there was a seriousness to their decision. It was a big deal for them to step forward. Um, you know, you and I, we're also being asked to step forward to be disciples of Christ. We're being called to step forward to be disciples of Christ. And when I say that, you might be a little fuzzy. Hey, what, is, what does the word disciple even mean? Because it's one of those, those nebulous words. Maybe you don't really fully grasp uh, the specific the specific nature of that word? Well, I'm going to try to break it down, make it real simple for us this morning, because this is, this is what we're talking about, discipleship. And if you're taking notes, a disciple is simply a follower of Jesus. A disciple is simply a follower of Jesus. So if that is the case, which it is, that means that a disciple is more than just the first 12 men back in the Bible, right? It's not just them, and it's not just special, you know, people who are in ministry. It's not just Pastor Scott. He's not the only disciple in the room. The truth is 
God wants each one of us to step forward to be his disciples. So today we're going to unpack that idea today based on Matthew chapter 4, and it's a great, short, but awesome text um, in Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. I'm going to read it in just a moment, and uh, what we're going to see is the first two men who step forward to be disciples, and we're going to learn from their example and how we can take those principles and apply, apply them to our lives so we can be uh, disciples too. So if you want to follow along, uh, this, this verse is, is on your notes, uh, Matthew chapter 4, uh, beginning verse 18. You can follow me as I read. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he, Jesus, said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, as we unpack this passage, Lord, we've, we've seen it. We, we've seen the chosen. We've seen videos. We've, we can just picture this moment in our minds. But Lord, as, as we look at it, I, I pray we would make it real in our lives that we would really try to unpack what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So, Lord, I pray if there's any next steps we need to take, Lord, you, your spirit would work in our hearts, that we would take those steps out of a love and a joy in following you. And so I ask you to be with us uh, this morning, and it's in Jesus' precious name we, we pray. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do... Um, is in our handouts, we're going to talk about the three essential discipleship principles. And the first one, if you're taking notes, is we need to fully surrender to Jesus. We need to fully surrender to Jesus. So let's kind of think about this scene here by the Sea of Galilee. You know, short verses, but there's a lot of context behind it. So first of all, let's think about Jesus. Jesus' ministry was just at the very beginning. He he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. He then went to spend 40 days in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And what the first Adam couldn't pass, Jesus was able to overcome and not sin. He was victorious in that testing. And then after that, uh, it's believed he went to Nazareth, his hometown, uh, began to preach there. They rejected him, and then he left and came now close to the Sea of Galilee, to the area of Capernaum. And that brings him close to the event and the situation we see here in, in Matthew chapter 4. And these two fishermen, Peter and Andrew, and let me just give you a little background. If you're just looking here in the Gospel of Matthew alone, you, you might believe that, hey, this is, this is the first time they're, they're seeing Jesus. But if, once you read all the Gospels, you can kind of put the whole story together. Because Matthew sometimes gets very concise and compacts everything. Uh, but the truth is, Peter uh, and Andrew, they've already encountered Jesus. In fact, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law from a very high fever. And they've also saw Jesus begin to do a number of miracles and healings. And you know what? I believe, it wouldn't surprise me if they even heard the rumblings uh, 
from people and like John the Baptist who said, Jesus is, is the son of God. He's, he's the lamb of God and he's gonna take away the sins of the world. So I believe in this event, when Jesus called them to follow him, they knew he was a man of God. And that's exactly what they did. They dropped their nets and followed him. And uh, just amazing that, you know, how they did that. And when they did that, certainly that was a big deal. They had to give it all up for Jesus. So what did they give up? They gave up their career by throwing those nets down. They were done with fishing. They said goodbye to their families because Jesus, they were gonna surrender to Jesus and he would be most important in their lives. Uh, if you look on your sheet, uh, you'll see Luke 9, verses 23 through 24. Um, this is a great verse uh, to help us think about that soberness of following Jesus as a, uh, as a disciple. It says this, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so that's the reality. Uh, if anyone here is in real estate or you've recently refinanced your mortgage, you, you sometimes have to sign a truth in lending. This is kind of Jesus' truth in lending to new disciples that, hey, um, this is not going to be an easy path. When you follow me, you're all in. It's a blank check. Whatever, whatever comes your way, you have to be willing to endure that for me. And that's exactly what that, that verse is. So in our lives... We want to be disciples. Jesus needs to be number one in our lives before our hobbies, our jobs, our careers, our desires, our wishes, and most importantly, our lifestyle. Um, he wants us to give up that sin that we get so stuck in day by day. He wants us to turn that all, put it, make it in the past when we follow him. It's a very big deal. And so I pray, and I know there's many people in this room, you've done that for Christ. You, you, you are following him in, a, in an intimate relationship. I just kind of want to share with you a little bit about my story and how I came to be a follower of Jesus. Um, it all, I mean, it all, all our stories start when we're born, right? So uh, when I was, when I was uh, very young, I grew up in a, in a Lutheran home. And so my parents, you know, they would take me, uh, take me to church on a regular basis, uh, to Sunday school, and I was uh, infant baptized, which, of course, I don't remember anything about that, um, but went to Sunday school, and eventually became, when I got a little bit older, confirmed in the church. But there was a big problem in my life, and that was my heart was far away from God. I was going through those motions, but God wasn't any part of my life one bit. Uh, when I got a little bit older, you know, that continued because I wasn't living for Christ. So I made very poor choices with friends. Uh, a lot of my friends, poor choices, very poor choices. And I began to live, I guess you would just say, a godless lifestyle. And, um, and really, I, I think through those uh, high school, early college years, my, my, my biggest problem was um, God wasn't my focus, but music was my idol. Rock music was my idol. 
And I think it began when I was a kid. Uh, when I grew up in Detroit, one of my neighbors was a very well-known, famous rock drummer. And I was friends with his daughter, and, and uh, when we would be playing outside, we'd hang out in, in their house. I'd see his piano, go to his basement, and I'd see his drum set, and you know he'd have albums that he played on and artwork, and I was like, that's what I want to do with my life. I, I want to do that. And sure enough, years later, you know, my high school, college years, that's all I cared about is writing songs, playing in clubs with my band. I played keyboards, sang, and, and all of that. But you know what? I was, I, I have to say something about that time. I was very em empty. I had no fulfillment in anything I did. I was broken. And uh, it all came to a head uh, one evening uh, when I was at my parents' home. I was still living at home. And I just, I was just at one of those spiritual low points, and I just, I just, I, I, I really struggled to know if God was even real. So, so I remember praying to God that night and just said, God, I don't even know if you're real. Uh, Lord, please tell me you're real, and, and I'll trust in you. And, and it was just one of those, one of those prayers, you know, you're not, you're not to tempt God, you're not to put God to the test, but that wasn't me. I, I was basically a sinner crying out from the depths of my soul, God, help me. And, and that night, you know, God just worked, and I went to bed in a miraculous way. And just to make the story short, when I woke up in the morning, God's Spirit just worked within me, and I just, He told me He was real. And, and it, it, was, it, it, was, it was just, I was just over, overflowing, overflowing with that idea that God was real at that point. And, uh, but, and also, as part of that, God was telling me, you have an idol in your life you need to get rid of. And um, I wasn't saved that night, but that was kind of one of those preparatory things in my life where God just, he got me ready for what was next. It was probably only a year later, and uh, uh, a young girl uh, took me to, for the first time to a, what I would say a Bible-believing church. It's my wife, Julie. We weren't married at the, at the time. Um, and, it was, and it was there um, that I heard the gospel for the very first time. Uh, the part of the gospel I, I understood real well was that I was a sinner and, and I had a problem. So to me, that was never the issue. I, I always agree, <laughs> agreed with God on that. I knew I was a mess. Um, but what I never realized until that point was that Jesus died on the cross for me, and he made provision to forgive me for those sins of the past and the future, and all I needed to do was put my trust into Jesus, and, and I would be saved. And, and, and over that summer, I heard that message over and over again, and I, and I got saved that summer, and I'll tell you, my life turned around. Uh, you know, they say you can't turn the Titanic around, but I felt like that's what, you know, <laughs> happened in my life. My life just, you know, spun 180, and my desires changed, my goals changed, and no, I wasn't perfect overnight. I mean, I'm, I'm still a work in progress, but man, Jesus saved my soul that summer, and I'm just so grateful uh, for the work he did in me, and uh, it was just so exciting, and I'll never forget that day and what it meant to me to follow Jesus. The sad thing is, um, there's many people who don't want to follow Jesus. They refuse to follow Jesus. In Matthew 19, uh, they tell the story of a rich young ruler. This rich young ruler, um, 
he, he was very religious. So he went to Jesus one day, the Bible records this, and, and he said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus rattled off a few of the commandments, and he, this, this young man responded, Lord, I've done those. Lord, I've done that. I've, done that. I've successfully done this since, my, since I was a kid. And then Jesus asked him the one question. He said, are you willing to sell all of your belongings donate them to the poor, and then now follow me. And, and as you read in the Bible, that, that man became sad, and he walked away from Jesus. He never followed Jesus. Many of us are like that as well. We, we're, we're okay with the religious stuff. We're okay doing the, the religious Sunday routine where we come to church and check the box, but we are not surrendered to Christ. We are, we are just following religion, and that will not save you, folks. You need to fully surrender to God. And if you haven't done that in your life, I pray today you can make that decision to fully surrender to Jesus. And you know what? That's just the beginning of the story. Once we fully surrender to Jesus, we also need to joyfully learn from Jesus. That's point number two on your notes. We need to joyfully learn from Jesus. And um, in your notes, um, I, I use the ESV because I really like the way the ESV uh, says uh, in verse 19 that it follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you. So this learning of Christ, this fellowship and intimacy with Christ, it's, it's really overseen by God. God is the one doing the work in our, in our hearts. Yes, we are a part of that, but, but God is overseeing this this in, entire um, process. And um, so when Jesus said, I will make you, for those disciples, what ended up happening is they would follow him, he would preach to them, and he would teach one-on-one -on -one with them. And most importantly, they would learn from Jesus day in and day out how Jesus responded to certain situations and how he acted and all the things he did. So he... They were learning by hearing, by teaching, and by example from Christ. And so you might be saying, okay, that's great for them, but what about us? If we want to be disciples, Jesus isn't here anymore. What are we going to do? Well, I think we are in just as good a place as those disciples. We have God's word, and we have God's spirit to help us to learn from Jesus as well. Uh, one of the first things we need to do once we become saved is to dig deep into God's word because Jesus is the logos. He is the word. The word is complete, and, it, and, and that's what we need to live by. So we need to dig in that, and the more we dig into his word, the more we grow closer to God, the more he will reveal himself to us. On your notes, I have James 4, 7 through 8. I, this is probably one of my favorite passages of the Bible. It, it's really just loaded with a lot of Great thoughts. Uh, let me read this uh, to us now. James 4, 7 through 8 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hand, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So there's a lot of things I could talk about in, in those verses, but the one I want to mention is where it says, it, when you come near to God, he will come near to you. As we press 
into the Lord, he does the same thing in return to us. Um, I think the best example I could, I could make of that is if you are involved with morning devotions where you start your day by reading the Bible, praying, uh, meditating, and, and just thinking about God, getting into his word. When you have a morning like that, um, there is an intimacy you feel with God in those, in those times, and that sticks with you, I believe, through the entire day. It sticks with you through your entire day, and you are much better able to withstand the temptations of life when you are grounded in God's word and his spirit early in the morning. And if you're not a morning person, do it at night, but mornings are really good. Um, and um, it is just an amazing thing. And we, we grow through, through those experiences. Um, and, you know, just kind of a point there, as we learn more about Jesus, uh, when we're saved, we're not perfect. It is a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process to become more and more like Jesus. And some of us struggle more than others, but we are all headed to the same goal. I'm not sure if any of you guys listen to the band, We the Kingdom. I really like them quite a bit. Uh, one song on their first album uh, has these words that I think kind of apply uh, to this situation. Let me share these with you. There's no doubt about it. I'm on my way home. I'm not yet where I'm going, but I'm a long way from where I was. I love that song, and I love the idea of that song is there's no doubt about it. I'm going to be glorified one day like Christ. That's my destination. Satan can't stop me. That, that's where I'm, that is exactly where I'm going. And um, that's where I was. I'm not going back. And I can see, every, you know, year by year, I'm making progress to the goal to be like Jesus. So, it's a lifelong learning, but we got to start that process. We got to we got to intentionally start that process. And but God does make us better. He he makes us more like Christ. In the Bible, we see even James and John. Um, Luke nineteen, Luke nine is a really interesting story. As Jesus set his mind to head to Jerusalem, uh, he sent a party ahead of him uh, to a Samaritan village. And when he went to that Samaritan village, they were going to see, hey, should Jesus stop here to minister on his way? Well, it turned out that they completely said, no, Jesus is not welcome here. Do not stop here. And James and John, if you know that story, said, well, Lord, can we have uh, lightning and uh, thunder from heaven come down and destroy them all? Hey, they were still learning. And Jesus, of course, rebuked them. And... Uh, Luckily, didn't destroy that village. Um, but um, the, the, the point is, is that, hey, we make mistakes along the way. God has to correct us on, on our pathway to be more like him. That's just a part of the discipleship process. Um, but we will get there. And, uh, boy, it's so cool when you look at John. Uh, you know, originally one of the sons of thunder, you know, eventually became the disciple Jesus loved. And in his first epistle, uh, he shared, he wrote that verse that since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So he, he's come a long way from his Sons of Thunder day. And, and I think we've come a long way from where we were uh, if we're learning from Christ. 
So that was the second point, that we joyfully learn from Jesus. Oh, you know, before I skip that point, let me just mention one other thing, and I don't want to miss this, and this is about learning. We also learn in community, okay? We learn from brothers and sisters in Christ, the church. Uh, we learn from each other. We, we have a lot to teach one another. Um, some of us, you know, and we have a lot to learn from younger people than us and older people, um, there's a lot of learning that can be done, and I think that's the Christian life. We are not to be Christians on an island. We are to be Christians in community. Why is that? We help one another. We build each other up. We are accountable to each other, and that is the way the Christian life should be. So uh, don't neglect that uh, as you follow Christ. And uh, we're just really blessed here at Lake Point to have a very vibrant life group life groups. Um, just last semester, we had over 170 people uh, sign up to be a part of our life groups. And if you're not a part of life groups, that is probably your biggest next step to get plugged in to community. So, um, you know, I would just uh, implore you uh, around Labor Day when the new list comes out, we have each semester, we have all new classes, uh, new teachers, and you just kind of Scan all those offerings, see which one might work best for you. And, and I promise you, if you sign up for one of those classes, it'll be a blessing to you. You'll be glad you did that you stepped forward um, in, in community. It's going to help you grow to be more like, like Jesus. And then lastly, my third point, um, the third discipleship principle is that we need to faithfully share the good news. We need to faithfully share the good news. And that... And when we look at our passage today, really that, that phrase, fishers of men, that, that's kind of what we all remember. I don't know if you were a kid in Sunday school, there'd be songs about it, and you, you do crafts about it. It's just such a widely known concept about being fishers of men. But it's so cool that even at the beginning of their discipleship, Jesus had in mind that he would send these men out on mission. He had replication. He had duplication of the good news through these people. And he had that in mind from the very, very beginning. He got them ready. Um, some of those, those first disciples, God even gave them additional powers and additional miracles that they could use to really draw people's attention in that, what they call the apostolic age. But it is just amazing um, the trust and the importance God put in these, these men before he sent them out. And that's, that's really what discipleship is. Discipleship is being a follower of Jesus, helping others do the same. A follower of Jesus, helping others do the same. So when I say, hey, do you mind being involved with discipleship? Hopefully you can say, you know what? I, I think I can do that. I can help other people follow Jesus. And uh, uh, on the back of your notes, uh, you, Matthew 28, I, I'd like to read the, the Great Commission, Jesus' Great Commission to us all. And um, what I want us to get out of this is, is as you're listening to this, think about this being Jesus speaking to you and what his call, what his command is in regards to making disciples. So let's start uh, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So before Jesus ascended into heaven, he kind of gave his important parting words, what his mission was for his church, for us here today. And it is all about replication. It's all about sharing the good news to the entire world, to all the nations. And so as we read this, hopefully you get the idea that sharing the good news, being a fisher of men is actually something Jesus wants you and I to do, that he wants us to be fishers of men. And, and I'm not sure where it got started, but I, I almost feel as though in, in Christian circles, we get this idea that once we're saved, we just kind of take, take the jersey off and sit on the bench and just kind of wait it out and just say, hey, watch the game, you know, play out in front of us. You know, we just do that. But uh, I don't think the Bible shows that idea at all. In fact, I think the, the Bible is saying, hey, put your jersey back on and you get out there and you're going to win for me. And uh, so that's what God wants us to do. Um, and John 14, 23 says this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So he's asking us, he's commanding us to go make disciples. And, uh, and what is our motivation? Not fear, not checking a box, but it is love. It is the love we have of God because God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die in our place. He was perfect, we were not, but he died in our place and our sins were were put upon him, he bled, he died, he took all that punishment, and he has forgiven us if we would just repent and put our faith in him. And because of that, how can we be anything more than grateful and want to share the good news with others? And maybe you're saying, well, you know what? I know nothing about the Bible. How can I share the good news? Or I don't know what to say, or... Uh, in my, I have a past and people won't listen to me. You know what? Um, God's Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak when that time comes to make fishers of men. Throughout the Bible, you see that. He uses ordinary people. Who did he pick? He didn't pick the Pharisees or the scribes to be his disciples. He picked fishermen. He picked tax collectors. He God wants to use ordinary people like, like you and me. He just wants us surrendered to him. He wants us sold out for him. He wants people who say, Lord, I'm giving you a blank check with my life. Do what you want to do with me. That's what he wants. And he will give you the words to say. He did it to Peter. We all know Peter and, and the walking on water, but uh, boy, Peter just, whenever there was stress or something difficult in his life, he would just mess it up, wouldn't he? Um, you think of the Garden of Gethsemane when, uh, when Jesus was about to be arrested, you know, he just, he got flustered and, and he got violent, you know, cut the ear off a uh, Roman soldier. Uh, you know, he just, he just didn't handle stress very well. Um, and then you just think of his ability to communicate. Well, they, they saw him in the courtyard and, and what do you do? Uh, you know, 
few minutes later, he's cursing at the women in the courtyard. Uh, then he denies Christ. And, uh, but you know what? God was still working on Peter. And um, we see on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts that it was Peter, no longer the stuttering, uh, lack of confidence Peter, but it was a new Peter. And he had courage that day in, in the book of Acts. He had courage and he had clarity of words. And we read about it all in Acts. And, you know, we read that that day, 3,000 people trusted in Jesus that day. And they were even baptized that same day. That, that man who, who didn't have the confidence or the clarity of words, the Holy Spirit gave him the words at the right time. He can do that for you and I too. And like I mentioned, you guys, we don't need to be graduates of seminary school or of high stature in society. God is glorified to use ordinary people like you and me. But we, what do we need to do? We need to surrender to him and his Holy Spirit will empower us in that moment to help bring the world to Christ. So in summary, as we, as we think about this passage and this message, when we become a disciple of Jesus, it's really not just a Sunday morning religious routine. Far from it. It starts with us fully surrendering to God. You can't be a disciple without surrendering. But that's just the start. That's, that's just the beginning. And as followers, we begin a lifelong process of learning and growing in Jesus. And then... As, as everything in this text points to, then we are to help others do exactly the same. Share the good news joyfully, what Jesus has done in our lives. So how about you? As I conclude, I, I'm going to ask, I'm going to close a little differently. I'm going to ask, I'm just going to ask three questions with a brief pause. And I just want you to think to yourself, where are you? in the discipleship process. And then I'll have a prayer of action. And then Pastor Scott's gonna close us out. So my first question is this. Have you ever fully surrendered to Jesus? Have you dropped the nets? Second question, have you been intentional in learning and growing in your relationship with Jesus? And then lastly, are you sharing that good news to the world around you? Those questions in mind, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we, as, as we see the courage, as we see these disciples who just left it all for you, Lord, let us follow their example. I pray that we would step up knowing the cost, but we would follow you, Lord. We know that in you there is life and life abundant. Not abundance like the world may see, but Lord, no matter what comes our way, pandemics, recession, inflation, health issues, relationship issues, Lord, if we are in you, we know everything's going to be okay because we have Jesus. 
So Lord, I pray that if there's someone here who needs to follow you, that they would make that decision today, even, even now as, we, as we're talking. And if they need to speak to our prayer team afterwards, that they would do that. And Lord, if there's someone here who, who needs to take their faith more seriously and build their relationship with you, I pray that they would get into the Bible, meet with other people, join in community with other believers. Lord, you, you have a destination for each person in this room. I pray that, that we would get there by following you. And lastly, Lord, I just pray that we would see every person we meet as an opportunity to share the good news with them. And if we see a need to help somebody grow, whether it's prayer, whether it's a mentor group, whatever it is, whatever opportunity we need, that we would take it to help others know what it means to follow you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And I pray that today our hearts would be convicted to step out and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.